3.6 million already there on uplift 10 months in is pretty good pretty good pretty good for 10 months you are listening to conversations with nathan latka where i sit down and interview the top SaaS founders like eric Wan from zoom if you'd like to subscribe go to getlatka.com We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Hey folks, my guest today is Kurt Averall. He's the co-founder and CEO of Ember, where he's responsible for leading the development and execution of long-term strategies and identifying key opportunities for growth within the industry. He's obsessed with helping people own the vacation home of their dreams, where they can create lasting memories of family and friends. He's a serial entrepreneur and has taken more than one company from inception to scale, having raised over $70 million in venture capital uh, financing at his prior startups. Kurt, you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. Thanks for having All me. Right. You bet, man. So before we get into Ember real quick, quick on your backstory. So what was your last company? Company was called Canopy. Um, so Canopy's in the ta- as a SaaS software solution for accountants. Ah, interesting. And we're founder there, or did you join a little later on? I'm not founder. Yep. Ah, very Solo cool. founder. And uh, yeah, took it from inception through scale, and it continues to do really, really well. That's amazing. What year did you launch that business? 2014. And this was the accounting practice management software? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get get Canopy. Fascinating. Okay, so that was 2014. And then I guess what made you leave Canopy and jump into Ember? So I left in 2019, took a bit of a sabbatical, and then kind of went back to my roots. My family uh, is kind of a generational home builder. And so uh, my parents and then also my grandparents built second homes for people in Lake Arrowhead, California, which is a destination outside of Los Angeles. Interesting. Now, how did you replace yourself? I mean, obviously, I think you guys raised significant capital there. How much did you raise at Canopy? Uh, we raised, um, at the time that I left, it was about $70 million. Yeah. So that would have been what? That would have been just post-Series C? Mm-hmm. It was like a, B, a B1, I think. Yeah, you guys have quite the fun. I'm looking at you have quite the funding history. Not traditional. There are some debt mixed in. There's some up, d- down, all over the place, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I guess that's a good lesson here first too, before we jump into Ember. How did you replace yourself as founder, right? So leave it in good hands and make sure you're exiting gracefully there. Yeah, I mean, I think like as founders, you have to realize that, you know, there's going to be a time when you're there with the company growing it. And then there's going to be a time when it's time to move on. And for me, it was like a deeply personal decision uh, to move on to the next thing. Um, The way I viewed it is I think, you know, I thought that they're, you know, A, after five years of being a founder at a high growth startup, you're ready for a sabbatical. And yeah. so taking a sabbatical was probably one of the best things I've ever done. And then, you know, B, um, I think, you know, as an entrepreneur, what I love to do is build and create. And so I knew that I could go out and build, you know, the next, uh, you know, the next thing. And that's what really gets me, you know, gets, that's what motivates me. It's what keeps me going in the morning and gets me up and, and, and rolling. Mm-hmm. And so, are you able to share when you left there in 2019, you sort of went from zero in 2014 to how much AR when you left? Oh yeah, no, I'm not able to share, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, you no know, problem. When you no leave, problem. you're always under strict NDAs. It's the way it works. Yeah. I mean, it's your company. That was three, four years ago. I, I'm, I'd be surprised if those are still active today. You can't share anything about the range you grew it to besides the amount mm-hmm. of capital you raised. Yeah. Just the amount of I just capital raised. I just think it's terrible to judge any company on how much capital they raised. It's a, it's a horrible metric of growth. Oh, 100% agree. 100% yeah. Okay. 
All right, Ember, uh, you go back to your roots. Uh, why vacation homes? Why partial ownership, if that's the model? And explain the marketplace to me. Yeah, so we kind of fit right in between you know, an Airbnb and a whole home vacation home, right? So if you think about your options, you have, uh, you know, you have a handful, right? When you go on vacation, our thesis is, you know, we're looking for people who are going to the same vacation destination on a regular basis, right? These are typically vacation destinations that sit right outside of a large metropolitan area. So it'd be St. George, Utah, which is a gateway to Zions National Park to Salt Lake City. It'd be Bend, Oregon to Portland. It might be the Hamptons um, to New York City or, you know, Cape Cod to Boston, where you're going on a regular basis, right? And um, for that, your options are basically to Airbnb, which is, you know, fairly expensive, as we know, and then, um, or you buy a home outright. But the challenge with buying a home outright, I mean, it comes with the benefit of having the home and being able to use it whenever you want. The downside is most second homeowners don't use the home that often. And so, um, you know, they're only, they think they're going to be there six months out of the year, but they end up only being there six to eight weeks out of the year. And then it's a, that second home becomes a second job because homes are work. And, um, you know, whether it's just fixing a faucet or paying your property taxes, that's just work. It's just a lot of things that are going on in that home. So what Ember does, is kind of bridges a gap. It sits right between an Airbnb and a, and a full home ownership where we take a home and we uh, buy it with an LLC and then split it into eight different shares. And a person can buy anywhere from one to four shares of that home. Um, now think about these homes. These are high-end vacation homes. The goal is to like make it so that when you walk in, there's a wow factor. Um, your friends and family walk in, it's it, they're, when we buy the homes, uh, you know, they're high-end. Then we also furnish the homes and with high-end furnishings and, and hand it over to the owner group, totally turnkey. At that point, we... Um, manage the property so that we abstract all of the work that comes with the second home away from the ownership group so that they can just enjoy their vacation, but while still retaining that ownership in the asset that can appreciate over time. Yep. Let's look specifically at 2293 North Saratos Road, Palm Springs, California. You've got it listed right now up on the side as potential buy 224560 Now, is that what you would pay for one-eighth ownership or is that the total price? of that? That's not the total price of the house. That's the one-eighth ownership. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So now, what you- that does, it gives you six weeks out of the year at that home. And, um, you know, if you wanted to be there six months out of the year, you buy, you know, half the home instead of, instead of one-eighth, uh, which we have some customers who do. Yeah, so so two hundred twenty four thousand for one eighth. The home price is about one point eight million total. If you want to buy more than forty four nights per year, you just buy two, three, four, five eighths of Correct. the ownership stake. Have you pre negotiated basically almost like a like a rofer with the current owner or an option agreement with the current owner? How do you how do you generate the supply on your marketplace? Yeah, so for most of our homes on the marketplace, we actually go in and buy the home. We have a pretty good. Um, sense of what our buyers want in their homes. And um, so we go buy the home in the first instance, and then we then market the home to, uh, you know, to the buyers. Um, in this case with the home in, in Palm Springs, that's a potential buy. So we have two different categories of homes. We have homes that are for sale. Um, so you can look in Newport Beach, you'll see some there. Uh, those homes that are for sale are homes that we actually own. And now we're, we're selling, actively selling shares in those properties. The potential buys like the one in, in uh, Palm Springs, that's a home that we could buy if we had enough interest in the home. So we kind of put the potential buys up there to provide some diversity and then also gauge interest in, uh, the, in, in that particular home. 
Mm -hmm. What prevents someone sophisticated like a Blackstone to hire a data engineer to scrape your site, Picasso, and others, where you have basically labeled these yellow labels potential home, just go buy them ahead of you, right ahead of your ability to close it if you have interest? Yeah, they could. I mean, they definitely could. The thing yeah. is, this is a massive market. It's a massive market. We're talking about the largest asset class in the world, real estate. And um, and so we think there's going to be a couple large players and um, and and we kind of welcome that. It's a new asset class. There's a lot of education layers, but people who buy in, they love it. They love the experience. Um, so um, so right now, it's basically the two big players in the space are Picasso and Ember. Um, yep. There are a couple others that are smaller, um, but those are the two big ones. And how do you measure size? Is it, is it literally GMV through platform number of closed deals? Yeah, I mean, I, I would look at it kind of in inventory. So um, you know, clearly. You know, Picasso has been very aggressive and is a couple of years ahead of us on their growth trajectory. So they've got inventory, you know, co coast to coast and Ember is mainly on the West Coast. So it's it's Oregon, California, Utah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Interesting. And, and I mean, what would you... Um... I guess you can look at number of unique properties. You can add up the total amount of the value of the properties, like the 1.8 million place in Palm Springs. Like, I mean, what do you what do you try to get to, or how far can you stretch your supply side here? I mean, do you want to have 100 million of sort of listings on the platform, or what's that number? Yeah, I mean, I think it will get very big. Yeah, so we we've been doing this for 10 months, um, my co-founders and I, and then our our team at Ember, and the company's grown um, very quickly. So right now we have you know just shy of right around $15 million of inventory that's available on the website. Okay. Um, that's that's homes that we actually have purchased and are for sale. So I think that will grow into the hundreds of millions over the course yep. of the next yep. few years. And you know the way we think about it, if you look out five to 10 years, which is what you got to do in a startup, right? You, you got to think about what this will be. This is going to be a massive marketplace where people are buying and selling shares in these homes and it's the way that we, you know, our thesis is that this is how people will buy vacation homes. Mm -hmm. um, the way, the old way of buying whole homes, which with all the work and costs that comes with that, um, will start to fade. And certainly there'll be a segment of the market that will still buy the home outright. But for most people, they want the, they want to be able to show up and have a worry-free vacation and not really have to deal when, you know, when they leave at the end of their vacation, they leave all the troubles of the home behind to Ember. So, um, so yeah, we think that there's like a, you know, multi-hundred million dollar, you know, certainly, you know, potentially into the billions of dollars of inventory if you go out 10 years and that's kind of where we're headed. Mm -hmm. So Ember got going about 10 months ago. Did I heard that correct? Yeah. And so how you said you've, you've purchased already $15 million to feed the inventory we currently see on the site. Yeah. So we have $15 million live. We've actually sold um, quite, quite a lot more than that. Oh, oh, interesting. So over the past 10 months, you've bought way more than 15 oh, yeah. million. 15 million is just what you've bought currently that hasn't sold yet. It's sort of in the Correct. middle right now. Yep. That's oh, actually for sale on the, on the website right now. I see. I see. How much have you moved over the past 12 months? Um, it's in the tens of millions. Yeah. Oh, wow. We've moved in the tens of millions of inventory across the website. So there are a lot of homes that we have purchased and sold that are no longer listed on the website. Obviously, once we sell them, we take them off the website. Yep. Yep. Do you think you can break a hundred million bucks of sort of GMV, you know, this year? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Based on the current growth, a hundred percent. Do macroeconomics matter? Interest rates going up, people can't get loans as easily. You know, does this they matter? Do matter? Yeah, they do matter. You know, I think, you know, we're obviously high in vacation homes. It's usually a discretionary spending. Um, we watch it pretty closely. 
you know, that said, the growth trajectory to date hasn't been impacted. We're, we're continuing to grow in what I would characterize as kind of the top, you know, 1% of startups. Yep. Um, and, and the company operates, you know, we, we're pretty tight-lipped about like absolute numbers, but I can tell you, we operate pretty close to a break-even. Like we've not burned hardly any cash. Oh, nice. um, most of the cash that we put on the balance sheet is to buy inventory. Um, and so, um, and so, yeah, I think like you could see a three, four, five X growth over the next 12 months, you know, based on, on what we know of the market over the last 12 where did you um, get the interest- cash to buy up all the inventory? I mean, to get to get going. So it's a combination of the equity dollars that we raised from the venture side, and then we also layer in a debt, uh, some ah, debt on top of that. That gives us kind of the purchasing power. You know, the one thing I'd mentioned that you that you brought up was the interest rate. So typically, when you think of like a one eighth ownership in a home, you're not thinking like, oh, you know, that's something that can be financed, right? That in fact, historically, that w- <laughs> that's not a product that would have been financeable, but um, that's actually not the case with these shares. Like these shares um, can be financed. Um, we have a partnership with a, a bank that finances these shares at a low interest rate. In fact, in the Newport Beach homes, um, the interest rate is four percent. So it's it's actually less expensive than a than a traditional mortgage in in kind of the current environment, which is uh, which is amazing. Very interesting. Now you mentioned equity, so it sounds like you've closed a seed round. When was that, and how much was it for? Yeah, so we closed a seed and an A, which we kind of announced together at a $17.4 million financing. The uh-huh. A was um, was led by Peter Thiel. So we were super excited about that to have him um, lead that financing. And we closed that in February. Okay. And ha- sorry, ha- if you split that out, how much was the Series A? The Series A was 15 and the, the, the seed was 2.4. Interesting. Okay. So a lot of your early inventory was really fueled by, it sounds like a great debt deal you got done, which is nice because there's real collateral here to get a debt deal done. I mean, when you talk about FinTech and SaaS today, you're seeing people raise these warehouse facilities and bankruptcy remote SPVs, and there's no collateral except like software contracts or invoice factoring, right? Did you sort of use the same structure, but your collateral is not a contract or an invoice. It's the actual house. Correct. Yep. Interesting. And how much, I mean, you obviously have track record, right? So you have history here. I mean, how, how big of a debt facility were you able to raise on day one to go fuel this supply? Um, so we, you know, we have raised, um, you know, roughly, well, on the, on the debt side, it's, there's several different sources of debt that we use to, to make this happen. And, um, you know, it's probably in the 20 to $30 million right now okay. on the debt side and the combination of everything collectively. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And and do you want to keep holding that debt even when you move that house off your site? Because because buyers buy all eight shares. Because obviously that's a revenue stream for you potentially, right? You can pass those costs on. Yeah. Once so it's really just act, designed to be acquisition debt. So we'll acquire the property in the first instance, and then the property will move hands to the new owners. If that owner decides to finance a portion of their purchase of the share, then there will be some debt that remains on the property. But in a lot of our homes, um, it's been cash buyers. So I see. You know that ca- that debt is financed out entirely, and and then the owners own the home outright, um, kind of indefinitely. And you can sort of recycle there. Very yep. interesting. Okay, let's. Talk, averages are dangerous, but it helps really understand a marketplace quickly. What's what's the average sale price of the home on the platform? So it depends on the geography in St. George, Utah, which again is if you've ever seen the Rod- Red Rock, you know. Of, of Southern Utah, that's where, that's where St. George is. So it's a beautiful, a beautiful area. It's actually a, a very big uh, vacation destination. Um, you know, your homes are typically between two um, and uh, three and a half million dollars. 
Okay. In Newport Beach, that that ranges from four and a half to eight million dollars. Um, okay. You know, so we have two homes there actually on the low end. You know, it was four million, but that's you're talking about a home that's in a stunning neighborhood and you know ninety steps to the to the sand. Yeah, they're beautiful. I mean, I'm looking through a bunch of them now. They're beautiful. Do you guys care about valuation right now, specifically your valuation? Do you think you might raise soon or sell a portion of the company? There is no other tool on the internet that you can use to get a better and higher valuation than FounderPath's new valuation tool. We have over 253 deals that went down over the past 30 days, all the revenue numbers, all the valuations, and the multiplier. That way you can go filter the data, find companies that are your same size, what they sold or raised for or at, and then use those as comparables in your decks to argue and debate and get a higher valuation and less dilution, which is the name of the game, less dilution. Check it out today at founderpath.com forward slash products, that's plural, forward slash valuations. Again, both plural, founderpath.com forward slash products, forward slash valuations. Yeah. So it sounds like sometime across, look, geography matters, but somewhere between sort of a three to four, maybe $5 million sort of averages around yeah. the sale price. Help me right. understand how you guys make money. You sell a place for 4 million bucks. How do you make money? Yeah. So we're super transparent about it, right? Like the, our goal is to make sure that the consumer, when they come in and look at it, they understand exactly how the pricing works. So we purchase the home outright. Um, we're, we provide, you know, the rep C, which is the real estate purchase contract to the, to the customer. So they can see that this is what we paid. And this is all listed on the website. Um, Then we um, add furnishings on there. So let's just take an example. Let's say it's a $2 million or let's say it's a $4 million home down in um, Newport Beach. We'll we'll break this out as $4 million for the real estate, another $250,000 to $300,000 for the furnishings. Um, That includes, uh, you know, closing costs, uh, you know, you know, really well-appointed home, uh, window treatments, appliances, et cetera. We also throw in like, you know, beach cruisers and things like that. Uh, so that when people show up at the houses, it's like they have all the toys that they would expect to have at the beach. Um, and then um, where we make the money is on that, you know, we're right now at $4.3 million, the $4 million purchase price of the home, $300,000 of furnishings. We take a 12% uplift. So we'll take that 4.3, multiply it by 12%. And that's where Ember makes its money. And so we break I that see. out as kind of line items so that everybody can see exactly where that um, where that revenue comes. Now that's a one-time revenue source. On the recurring side, and this kind of fits into both kind of the SaaS and, and kind of prop tech side of things, um, there's a platform fee. So that platform fee is $100 a month per share. That covers the management of the LLC and then a tech layer. So there's an app. The app is what handles all the scheduling. You can kind of think about it like an Airbnb, you know, scheduling app where you've got a calendar, you can Go into any time. So there's not set weeks. This is not a timeshare. This is not like, hey, you get, you know, the the 44th week of the year. It's it's a first come first save, first come first serve. You can come down for one night or 14 nights, and yep. um and then on and then property management, right? Man, actually managing the property in kind of a traditional property management sense. That's kind of the recurring revenue side of the business. And and how many shares do you think you'll sell this year? Uh, well, we've had over a hundred families buy in to Ember uh, to date over the past ten months, and um, yeah, we expect to you know double, double or triple that number toward you know the end of the year. Or so, and are most times those families are buying one share, so it's a one to one ratio. You know, most families right now are buying one share. We've just added the financing layer, and I think with the financing layer, 
you're going to see uh, you know, more people buying two shares, a quarter of the home, having more time at the house. Yep. Yep. Okay, good. So I mean, we could take a hundred families each owning about one share times a hundred bucks a pop there monthly. I mean, you're already at 10,000 bucks in MRR, not including your 12% uplift. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Fascinating. And you said earlier, you have 15 million sort of available today, but you've already sold multiples of that. So if we assume conservative 30 million, we could take 30 million times 12% uplift, right? Good. Yeah. 3.6 million already there on uplift. 10 months in is pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good for 10 months. Why is that? I mean, that, that's actual, right? I mean, why would it not be 12%? Have you always had 12%? Yeah, it's always been 12%. Yeah. Okay. So there we, we can brag about you a little bit. Okay. That's pretty good for 10 <laughs> months in. That's not too bad. Um, is the model working? Do you think you anticipate any pricing changes? You know, is 12% too high, too low? Um, I think the model is working. So, you know, the, the value that Ember provides and the reason people are willing to pay, you know, a 12% uplift on their share is because we're unbundling an asset, right? You're taking an asset that was previously unavailable to a group of, of buyers and you're making it more affordable and turnkey for them. And because of that, they're willing to pay a little bit of a premium. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. um, you know, the analogy that one of my co-founders uses is like, you know, you can buy a six pack of Coke back in the back of the, you know, the, of the grocery store that's, that's not cold and on the shelf for a couple bucks, but you, you, you inevitably pick up that cold one. That's like, you know, already set out in the refrigerator, in the aisle, in the checkout aisle. And so you, you're essentially just taking that asset and unbundling it. And there's a lot of value in that. Um, so I would say, yeah, 100%, we've got pretty strong product market fit. Um, we've actually had more of an issue keeping up with demand on the buy side and being able to get the inventory, um, which is always a good problem to have in, yep. a, in a startup. Yep. No, that's tough. Now, in terms of funding, obviously, dilution, you want to manage that. You've been through this rodeo before, so you know all about dilution with your last company. But most folks say, you know, closing Series A's, they're selling, you know, call it 10 to 15% of the business. Were you sort of pretty standard there? Yeah, I'd say it's pretty standard. Okay, okay yeah. got it. So you're, you're talking like 100 million valuation, some, something around there. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Um, what's team size today? How many folks? So we're just shy of 30 people right now. 30. And how heavy on engineering? How many engineers? On the engineering side, that makes up uh, you know roughly five. So it's 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 interesting. Yeah, five of the 30. Okay, five. And I mean, look, anyone listening is going to go, wait, this guy's rich. Why does he want to sell 10%, 20% of his business over two rounds, the seed in Series A to investors? What? Why not sort of be greedy, bet on himself and keep as much to 100% as possible? How would you answer that? Um, you know, there's a couple things. One is, you know, it's a fairly capital intensive business. Obviously, we got to go out and acquire the property in the, in the first instance and then sell the property. Um, it's a... So there's reasons to have a lot of cash on the balance sheet so that you can take that cash and, and leverage it. Um, I also think that there's going to be a couple big players in this space, and we're kind of starting to see those players form. And um, you know, the way we view this kind of five, 10 years out is this is a, you know, a, a nationwide marketplace and also a worldwide marketplace where people are buying and selling um, and are buying and selling shares. And I think speed to market is really critical for marketplaces. If you get out there and kind of establish the name, that's what gets you in kind of a, in a in a you know first or second position. And uh, so we're we're going to be pretty aggressive. And mm-hmm. to be aggressive, you know, it's helpful to have the insight and backing of venture capitalists. 
Yeah. I mean, look, this is my preferred way of living, right? I, I'm here in my house in Austin right now, but I travel most of the time. My preference is to have five or six cities I'm in each year. And I go a week here, a week there, I'm able to do this. So the challenge with something like Ember is if I want to become an Ember loyalist and go on today, well, there's only really five cities I can split my time. And you know, you don't have, I love Barcelona, you don't have Barcelona. You know, I love whatever I'm making this up, Sayulita in Mexico, you don't have that yet. So like there really are network effects here, right? It, whoever gets the most inventory, the quickest wins. Isn't that true? 100%. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Interesting. And you feel like you can catch up. I mean, what's your mousetrap? How do you catch up to like a Picasso? Um, so I think there's a couple things. I mean, I think like, you know, a, this is, I mean, it, this, this is a massive, like, like I mentioned, it's a massive asset class and there's no way that, you know, one player can kind of capture an entire market. It's not, this is not an Airbnb. Like you think about an Airbnb where you go to an Airbnb and you you go there on a on a you go there. It doesn't matter where you're traveling in the world, right? If you're going to go out to um, you know Barcelona or to to London or you know to Newport Beach, you're probably going to go to an Airbnb and and go to single source. This is not really that, right? This is a very localized, regional. You know, home home buying is a very regional, localized. Uh, you know, I think buying process, and it's also a much larger asset class. So. Um, so one is I think that there are there's space for several players to coexist. Two is um, you know we're we're in a slightly different pricing price range than Picasso. Picasso's in the ultra luxury side of the business, right? Like you know taking what was available to you know one tenth of a percent of, of Americans and making it available to the one percent. What do you think their average sale price is? You think it's closer to like nine ten million? Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, if you if you browse kind of through their Newport Beach homes, it's just a much higher price point. Um, yep. You know, two two to three x what Ember is, where um, you know Ember is coming down market a little bit and say maybe what's available to the three percent is now becoming available to the twenty to twenty five percent, and so that democratization is uh, you know part of our strategy and and um, and you know even if even if there's encroachment on those pricing, you know there's just, again there's just so much space in the market that it doesn't it's not too concerning. Um, so, you know, in our minds, it's just expansion, right? To your point, we have people who want to have a desert home, a beach home, a mountain home. And so as we expand, it's like, you know, get to the East Coast quickly. Now that we've kind of got a handle on the West Coast and, and continue to build out the West Coast, then East Coast and then Europe. And and um, and I think, you know, I think it's the makings of a very big business yeah. um, for, you know, for both of us. So I'm in Bend, Oregon. I'm I love this place that I'm sleeps 14, six beds, seven baths. I'm gonna buy four nine four hundred and nineteen thousand for one eighth of this share. The flip side of this is though I sort of have eight co-founders. Three years from now, markets are way up, everything's up. And I'm like, wow, this little share is worth a lot of money. I want to exit and go move to Cape Town. Can what if what what if there is no buyer on Ember Ford? I can't just list my house with a realtor because there's eight, there's seven other co-founders I have to get to agree with me. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, so this is the magic of Ember. So the when you're ready to sell your home or your share in your home, you can sell it at any time. And um you you know because you guarantee that, that share, you'll you'll buy it. Uh you can sell it on like with on the MLS with the real estate agent at any time at whatever price you want. So oh. let's say let's say the home went up, you know, 30% and now instead of 410,000 you're sitting at over $500,000 for that share. You go list it on the MLS, and Ember will help you do that, and um, and then you and then you sell that share to another you know another buyer, and you can buy a share out in Cape Cod or wherever you want to buy. So that 
the, the amazing thing, and this is part of the magic is unlike a full home where you have to actually go through, uh, you know, underwriting and title and et cetera, this is like a 24 hour transaction. You list the property, it goes up on the MLS, it goes on Ember's website. Um, we bring in a buyer, the buyer buys a share and they can actually close on that share in 24 hours because what they're buying is an, a membership interest in an LLC, not in, um, not, you know, the actual real estate. So that, um, that process of buying and selling these shares is, is, you know, is part of the, is part of the benefit of owning. And uh, someone's done that already. Has, have, has someone done that? What we've had is we've had several customers upgrade. So it's been interesting. Nobody sold their out of, out of Ember because when you, once you've experienced it and tasted it, it's, it's something you can't really let go of, right? Because it is such an amazing experience. But what we have had is customers who said, you know what? We love the home that we're in, but there's a new home that you just listed and we would like to buy a share in that home and sell the share that we have in our existing home. And actually during the first year of ownership, you can trade without any fees. So no real estate commission. So if you find a better listing, there's kind of like an Ember guarantee. You can just move to the other property. Maybe it's a bigger house or a smaller house or a different location um, within the first year. After the first year, it's just the traditional 3% real estate agent commission. And, um, you know, in this case, they were within their first year. So they upgraded to a larger home. We took the shares that they had and we sold them um, on the open market. Really interesting. Yeah, really interesting. Well, look, I think this is probably, this is sort of definitely in the future, at least certainly for somebody like me. It's just a question of who has the inventory the fastest where I can just become literally an Ember loyalist and go anywhere I want, whenever I want and own the house, you know, one eighth of the share, you know? So very cool. All right. Great story here. Let's, uh, let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, favorite book. Favorite book. Um, hard things about hard things. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Um, you know, it's probably a little bit, um, you know, I, I guess I would probably say Steve Jobs. I mean, it, you know, it's probably one of the, the most common answers that people give. Um, but I think kind of his work ethic and his ability to innovate across multiple products. That's what's so remarkable about him is, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs can nail one, but Steve Jobs hit, you know, multiple products and was able to innovate. And that, that part is um, extremely difficult to do and also, you know, super inspiring. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building Ember? Um, favorite online tool. Well, it's hard to, it's hard not to go back to some of the kind of the sales you know, you know, the, some of the sales tools and reporting on like HubSpot, um, and Salesforce, um, you know, that those are the first that come to mind because obviously, you know, as a startup, we're sell, we're super sales driven. Um, so that's probably where, that's probably where I'd hang my hat. Number four, Kurt, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Six hours. Okay. That's good. In situation, married, single kids, married with kids. How many kiddos? Four. Ages, oh, oh my uh, God. Yeah, 15 to 8. Wow, busy guy. Okay, how old are you? 42. 42. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20. <laughs> uh, so I wish I'd been in tech a, a lot sooner than I was. I started as an attorney um, in Manhattan. And I think uh, I wish I'd, I'd, I'd gotten in tech sooner. And then I also ended up learning how to code. Um, so I've been on the engineering side. And I wish I'd learned how to code sooner. Um, Guys... Now that makes a ton of sense. Guys, there you have it. Ember Home. Again, if you believe that the future is about going and living wherever you want, whenever you want, but you don't want to buy outright houses in all these places, you're going to spend 
four or five weeks a year in. Uh, Ember is a great solution for you. Very interesting space. You can go buy one eighth of a share in Palm Springs for 400 grand. You then pay a hundred bucks a month to use the Ember application to book those times first come first serve to trade your shares into other houses if you want. They're off to a nice start here. 10 months in, they raised about uh, 17.4 million bucks in capital because they actually buy these houses. They hold them until they sell them. They have about 15 million in houses they've bought today that they're waiting to sell on the site. They've already turned over multiples of that. So call it maybe 20, 30 million already through the platform. They take a 12% fee on top of that. So if they did 30 million bucks in volume, 12% fee would be about 3.6 million there. But again, already on the recurring revenue side, 100 bucks per share, 100 families. That's about, again, $10,000, $11,000 per month already in MRR as Kurt looks to scale the business. Kurt, thanks for taking us to the top. Hey, likewise. Thanks so much for having me.